0: All right, welcome back, everybody. Sorry we're a day late, but uh, never fear. The Golf Guide podcast is back in your ears, and this episode is proudly presented by GolfGuide.net, an exceptional place to save ducats on rounds of golf on in Northern California, as well as Lake Tahoe, Reno, uh, and a little bit in Southern California and Southern Oregon as well. But you can go to GolfGuide.net, and view the golf deals tab in the main navigation menu. And you can find yourself discounted rounds of golf at dozens of golf courses across Northern California and its neighbors. And don't forget to use the promo code G G podcast and save 10% on any purchase of $25 or more. One more time. That's promo code G G podcast and save 10% on all purchases of $25 or more. All right. Enough of the ads. Let's get to another episode of the golf guide podcast. Well, it certainly is delightful to have all of you guys back here with me this week. Uh, sorry, as I mentioned in the, uh, the prelude, we are a day late, but I just got so much stuff going on here. As, uh, As you guys likely already know, I mean, I got married a couple weeks ago and I'm kind of still dealing with the aftermath of all that stuff. And so, but anyway, before we get into it, uh, I wanted just to talk a little bit about the Ryder Cup uh, that's going to be coming up in a few short months here. And just a couple interesting things that I read uh, regarding kind of how France is dealing with the upcoming, you know, uh, you know, I, but what is that term that you when something happens every other year, penultimate? But anyway, the you know the one time every four years that Europe gets to host the Ryder Cup and how its host country, France, is going to be dealing with all of that. But uh, first, I just want to let you guys know that uh, this past weekend, I watched exactly zero of the Travelers Championship. Uh, I, I know that Bubba Watson had a spectacular Sunday. I think he shot 63, and Paul Casey had a little bit of a meltdown, which is really unfortunate, just because. It would be so much more satisfying to watch Paul Casey win than it would to watch uh, Bubba Watson. But, um, you know, I, I can't comment much on the golf tournament because I didn't watch it. But I have uh, thought it was kind of interesting that uh, I'm starting to see a lot of buzz for Bubba Watson for Player of the Year talk. And uh, no, nobody would really think about it that way. I guess, you know, people start to think of Patrick Reed and Brooks Koep because they're the major winners. But, uh, I mean, Bubba's now won, you know, two of the three top events uh, on the PGA Tour calendar, you know, in the tournament at Riviera, as well as the match play. And now, you know, he's won uh, one of the Travelers Championship. And he, he's got a pretty legitimate case to uh, be the 2018 Player of the Year. Um, you know, if he wins one of the last two majors, you can almost assuredly uh, put, you know, put that thing in the bank for him. So uh, interesting, you know, on, on the PGA Tour front that Bubba Watson has very clearly had the best, <laughs> the best year on tour thus far. But uh, anyway, uh, I did want to just briefly touch on my weekend that did not involve watching golf. And that was, I was down in Monterey, Uh, my wife, uh, one of her best friends got married down there and, you know, I had a wonderful time at the wedding, but uh, I did get a chance to go out and play Poppy Hills uh, for the first time in maybe two or three years. And uh, the last time that I had played it was pretty recently after the course had reopened. And uh, it was challenging because the new style of Poppy Hills Um, you know, it, it looks and is supposed to play a little bit more like a Lynx golf course with, you know, more firm greens, firm fairways. Uh, I think their grass is not, it's obviously not pure fescue, uh, but there's a, it's a fescue hybrid with a couple of other things like rye and, uh, some other stuff like that. And I have to say, I was very, very pleased. Um, the course is in absolutely fantastic shape. The greens were tough. I mean, those things were rocks. Um, it, it took me about four or five holes to realize that I needed to start, respecting them the same way that i do when i go to other links golf courses you know like something in scotland or something abandoned or something like that where you you do not want to fire at those flag sticks if you want to get anything relatively close to the hole you got to be landing it on the apron in front of the green and letting it hop up and then release to the spot that you want it to um but the good news is the way that the course is designed it has a lot of open aprons and it doesn't have a lot of bunkers you know front and center uh fronting the green. So it is possible to play, you know, play like that. And, you know, as many of you likely already know, I think it's a little bit more fun that way. I think uh, the strategy is a little, a little more interesting. So all in all, my round at Poppy Hills was great. I didn't realize they had reversed the nines. I'm not a big fan of uh, their choice to do so. Now the first hole, if you guys are familiar at all with Poppy Hills, uh, the first hole, you got to go across the street. Uh, So your, you know, your tee shot is far, you know, far away from the clubhouse. And I don't know this, this. it doesn't really make a difference, but I always prefer it when my round starts and finishes near the golf shop or the clubhouse. It always feels a little weird when you're at one of those golf courses where are like, all right, here, go to the first tee, drive down that car path for a quarter mile, make a left, go another 200 feet, make a right, and you'll see the first tee down that way. I'm like, this is the start of the round. Shouldn't I just go right there? Isn't that where this thing should start? But anyway, I'm going off uh, on something that's not all that important, but all in all, Around at Poppy Hills was good. If you are an NCGA member, um, they do offer quite a deal. I think it was like 110 for, you for know, a walker on the weekends, and I think it goes down to 80 on weekdays. So uh, certainly one of the better deals uh, for golf in the Del Monte Forest and on the Monterey Peninsula and uh, you know outside of Pacific Grove, which I think is probably still the best value on the peninsula. But hey, I digress. So uh, that was good, but what, actually my biggest takeaway from the weekend down in Monterey was at this wedding— Um, my wife's friend who got married, her husband, uh, is an acquaintance of mine and he is actually a golf course superintendent. He used to be the assistant, uh, superintendent at Pebble beach. And now he, uh, is the head superintendent at a private club in San Jose and pretty much all of his groomsmen and all of his buddies that were there were also in the business of turf. Like I I can't even tell you how many superintendents uh were present at this wedding. I mean guys who were our supers at very, you know, well established golf courses all across Northern California and Monterey specifically. You know, places like Carmel Valley Ranch, Cypress Point, places like, you know, the 2016 US Women's Open host at Cordova. All. all these superintendents including the groom himself were all there and we talked a lot of golf over the weekend and I thought it was really interesting because you know, when I asked them their take on the u.s open and how the usga handled everything um if you don't recall i i thought the u.s open was really good i certainly it had a little room for improvement i think there were a couple mess ups but i loved how difficult the golf course was playing and um even if it was a little unfair I, i thought it made for good you know for good tv and an entertaining golf tournament and it's pretty i think it's pretty wild um after talking to all these guys how pretty much in agreement they all are that mike davis is an idiot um and not just an idiot. I mean, he, he's, he is knowingly and somehow been... You know, knowingly screwed up the U.S. Open for however many straight years, is aware of what he's doing, and yet he can't get out of his own way. Um, and so it was just fascinating to hear how much, you know, frustration there is built up among the superintendent community with just how the USGA basically is fucking this all up and is giving turf managers a bad name because he because it is, you know, one of the most widely watched golf tournaments in America. um, And you really can't, the Masters is its own thing. And and they spend so much money on making that golf course look green and doing things like that, that you can't really equate it to anything else. But for the U.S. Open, they're they're giving these turf managers a bad name because it it makes it seem like nobody's capable of taking care of a golf course. And uh, the groom at this wedding was explaining to me that he's like, what's so frustrating, man, is... The grounds crew at these golf courses, like at Shinnecock Hills, they are taking exquisite care of this golf course for three or four years before this golf tournament. Everything they do is aimed at getting this golf course perfect and ready for that weekend of the golf tournament. But unfortunately, those three or four years of work always go down the drain because on Monday of U.S. Open Week, and this is like three or four days before the tournament starts, on the Monday of U.S. Open Week, Uh, and again, this is what was communicated to me by the the groom. So I I think he has a little better of an idea that I do because he actually has, uh, friends in the industry who work over there as well. But he said on the Monday of us open week, the USGA shows up and kind of just takes over. And to me, that seems kind of crazy. It would seem like they would want to work, um, alongside all the people that have been taking care of this golf course and the superintendent, because he said what the USGA has been doing is they show up. They take a look and they say, oh, yeah, the golf course is in good shape. However, it needs to meet all of our firmness ratings at every different part of the golf course. And, you know, it, if you're not already aware, a golf course is a living, breathing thing. And every golf course is unique to the specific parcel of land that it sits on. So, you know, the way that the ground at one golf course reacts to the grass is going to be completely different than maybe something that's just two miles down the road. And the guys who are there every day that have been taking years to take care of this golf course, they know all the little ins and outs of the property. They know that this little dip over here reacts to water a different way than a little swale over on the other side of the fairway. And just all these little things that they've done to make sure. And these guys are so organized. They have a plan that they execute every single day to make sure every little square inch of the golf course is playing as good as possible. And what the USGA does is they come in and they say, okay, we're going to go test out the whole golf course. we got to make sure that... All the greens and all the fairways and everything like this are a certain firmness rating. They have all this technology that allows them to gauge you know, how firm a fairway is and all this kind of stuff like that. And the problem is, by doing that, they are essentially ignoring all of the research and the data and all of the hard work these guys have put in because the USGA will go to a certain spot in the fairway and they'll say, oh, nope, this little p- piece of fairway is not firm enough. We need to redo it. And it's like, well, see, here the thing is, if this little spot of fairway needs a little bit of extra water to stay healthy because of where it is. If you try to dry it out a little bit, the grass is just going to flat out die. And the USGA says, nope, sorry, that's got to be the firmness rating, yada, yada, yada. And so it seems to me that the USGA is just so obsessed with utilizing the technology and the, the tools that they have to get all these accurate readings that it's giving them a sense of entitlement, but also kind of invincibility, like, oh, no, there's no way we could possibly fail uh, we have all this technology. We've invested all this money into this stuff so we know exactly what's going to happen. And they're kind of ignoring the common sense of, hey, these guys have been doing this for years. They know exactly how to get this place dialed in. Why don't you, why don't you listen to them a little bit? And that ended up being the case on a lot of the greens and a lot of the fairways out of Chinnecock where the guys who had been there for several years, they knew all the different places and all the different greens that needed water and how to treat them to get them to roll just perfect and because it didn't align up perfectly with whatever metrics and tools the USGA was, they changed it the very last second, and they fucked up the three or four years of hard work um, that the guys at Shinnecock Hills had put in. So, you know, hearing this from uh, from the groom was just very, very interesting. It, it did make me incredibly frustrated. I was ready to give Mike Davis a little bit of a pass uh, on all this, you know, just because the tournament was, you know, entertaining, but... It is just so crazy that the guys who know this stuff better than me and better than most of us, the guys who are actually taking care of golf courses, they are just fucking beside themselves when they watch the USGA continually mess this thing up. And it's, it's just kind of shocking. And, uh, and the other little note that I got from him and the other superintendents at the wedding was uh, they are not fans of Brandel Chambley. I, I, I must admit, I've never been a fan. However, when Brandel had, had his interview with Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg uh, several months ago, I found myself being like, you know, he's not actually all that bad. And there was even a couple points that I found myself agreeing with him on um, as opposed to Andy. But granted, it wasn't about turf management, um, but man, it, it, the, the superintendents of America do not like him. It, it's crazy because I never realized that Randall Chamley spoke so often about the turf and how a golf course is prepared and things like that because I, I'm i not going to lie to you. I just I don't watch the Golf Channel. I, I could not care less about what all those guys are saying. I, I like watching the golf tournaments and the pregame show and the postgame show and all that kind of stuff like that. I just find that shit to be incredibly useless and, and boring. Now, I have a lot of other good friends who I, I would dare say are even bigger golf fans than I am that love it and eat it up. And that's what they put on in the evening when they get home from work. But it's it's just not my thing. So I was never aware that Brandel was that critical um, and, and talked about you know turf management as often as he did. But man, he has got a, an enemy about 10,000 people strong. Uh, in the turf, you know, the golf turf management industry that think he is just an absolute douchebag, douchebag. So, with that note, let's uh, let's get off that and let's address this uh, kind of interesting little story I had saw regarding the, uh, the French, <laughs> the French and the uh, upcoming U.S. European Ryder Cup, which is going to be taking place September 27th through the 30th at Le Golf National uh, in France and. I just thought it was kind of interesting so i don't know a whole lot about the golf course i've heard about it in the past but it's kind of a little bit more in the spotlight right now because uh, currently the european tour is playing um an event at Legolf national and it, i think it's actually the french open and so you would think that a lot of players from both the u.s and the european Ryder cup teams would be playing in the french open this week to kind of prepare themselves but apparently um It's not. I mean, Justin Thomas is the only top American player participating in the French Open this week, and he did say that part of the reason he went over there was to kind of scout it out, but um, apparently, you know, according to an article uh, from Golf Week's Alistair Tate, um, he said that, you know, going there, you know, now that he's been there, that going to play in the French Open may have been a little bit overkill. Um, I quote Justin Thomas from Alistair Tate's article, quote, it's a great test of golf, uh, but it's all right in front of you. It's not like there's any hidden tricks or, or anything like that. End quote. Um, and I thought that was fascinating. What he's basically saying is, hey, it's a good test of golf, but it's fucking boring. It's easy. There's not. There's really not going to be any kind of a home field advantage for the Europeans. It's, it's a straight. You know, it, it's a somewhat boring, albeit difficult, uh, test of golf. Um, and as Captain Thomas Bjorn noted. In uh, this item by Tate, um, <laughs> it, the, the European captain doesn't really plan on getting carried away with trying to create some sort of an advantage for the European team. So uh, one more time, quote for Thomas, Thomas Bjorn here, quote, it's not particularly much narrower than it's ever been uh, when he's referring to Legolf Nationale, It's pretty much where it's always been. Once you have a great golf course like this one, you've got to be careful. You don't overthink it and don't overdo it too much. In the same sense of that uh, the the golf course that's there, that's the course you've got to go out and play. Uh, End quote. There's just not... (laughs) It just seems like we may be in for a somewhat boring architectural golf experience when the Ryder Cup rolls around um, this September. And I think that was kind of a bummer because I was thinking like, I, I almost wish the Ryder Cup, I mean, because it's only every other year and that it rotates between America and the U.S., it doesn't really seem like there's enough time to be wasting Ryder Cups at less than exceptional golf venues. And I'm wondering if maybe maybe it's time to, you know, put in like some sort of a rotation where you have five or six American courses and five or six European courses uh, that kind of, you know, share in the duties of hosting the Ryder Cup. Um, and certainly, I mean, I guess there's some of them out there that would overlap with the British Open and the U.S. Open, but... I mean, how fucking cool would it be to, you know, have the Ryder Cup be staged, you know, in Los Angeles at L.A. Country Club or Riviera or maybe up in Monterey at Pebble Beach or at Cypress Point? Um, some, I mean, it would just be so spectacular to see those guys playing venues, venues like that. And, you know, for the, the European side of things, I mean, why the hell aren't they hosting the Ryder Cup at the old course? That would make for a really, really fun Ryder Cup venue. Um, And the same thing goes for like this year's British Open host, Carnoustie. That would be an absolutely sensational um, place to host the Ryder Cup. So it's a a little bit of a bummer from an architectural standpoint that it appears they're going to be contesting the Ryder Cup on a relatively boring uh, venue. Um, But I still don't think that's going to change the fact that it will be a really fun golf tournament. Um, I, I think with a tournament like the Ryder Cup, the architecture and the course itself is pretty secondary to the team aspect of it. We don't get to see team golf play that often. So when we do, it's always a uh, it's always a really nice treat. So uh, I think it's cool. However, as much of a treat as it is, it appears uh, that the host country and its citizens, uh, the people of France, um. They might not be excited. <laughs> just, um, so I'm actually uh, referencing an article, I believe that was on, uh, I saw it was on golf.com, uh, but I'm also referencing it from Jeff Shackelford of Golf Week site, uh, which is titled, The French Really Know How to Get Us Excited for the Ryder Cup. And he says, As the European tour visits Le Golf National this week for the French Open, um, and also the site of the Ryder Cup this fall, the New York Times' John Clark interviews 33-year-old Michael Lorenzo Vera, about the state of French golf, uh, and he says, you know, he says that Michael's honesty is kind of refreshing, but it also suggests a, uh, you know, that the quote-unquote hoped-for boost uh, to French golf that this Ryder Cup would provide has not yet materialized. Uh, and so I quote uh, the French golfer Michael Larezo Vera here: uh, "Quote, if you say to people in France that you play golf, they will say no." But really, what is your real job? Uh, Golf is not a good thing here. It's for rich people and spoiled kids. Uh, That's the image we have. Actually, we're trying to work on that. Uh, People like Alex Levy and myself are trying to make the game uh, look more fun. um, But it's a lot of work. Uh, I'm just trying to be really nice to everyone. And (laughs) uh, when he asked, what do the French think about hosting the Ryder Cup at Le Golf Nationale? the uh, Alvera replied, people here don't care about the Ryder Cup. Uh, honestly, nobody knows there's going to be a Ryder Cup in France. Only the golfers know, and that's it. Uh, there won't be many French people in attendance. Uh, there will be many more people from England and Spain. Uh, golf is a, a very private thing for people in France. Uh, p- private courses for only rich families or rich people. That's it. End quote. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there was a lot to unpack there, but I, I just, find it's, it seems kind of crazy that golf in France is close to where golf was in America in like the forties. Um, but maybe even a little more so, because it's been around for as long as it has that it just seems a little crazy that uh, a country that is going to be hosting the Ryder cup really, <laughs> there's just really no interest in golf from the people of that country. Um, I know during the couple of years that I lived in Korea from 2013 to 2015, it actually was kind of similar over there. I know it seems like golf is a, a massive thing in Korea, considering that 94% of the ladies on the PGA Tour are from Korea, you know, give or take, you know, maybe 50%. But um, it, it's crazy that like the cheapest round of golf you can play in the Seoul metro area in Korea is like 350 dollars. I mean, it's still a sport that is very much for the elite and the wealthy. Um however the one big difference is people in Korea love golf. You know like they can't go play it but they love to watch it and screen golf in Korea um is very very popular. It only costs 20 bucks to go play 9 or 18 holes at a screen golf facility and a lot of people do it. There are thousands of screen golf centers all across Seoul. So it, it is a little different in that you know both countries the actual game of golf on a golf course is still reserved for the elite but you know in Asia at least, they all love golf, they love watching it, and it turns out that in France um, they they really don't give two shits, um, which is pretty incredible, so it'll, I am actually, this has now got me on alert to see what exactly is it going to be like uh, when we're watching this thing on television, what are the crowds going to be like, and is it going to be very obvious that the spectators are foreigners, and not necessarily French men and, and French women, so um, that's about all I got for you on the Ryder Cup right now. The last thing I was going to touch on is, and Jesus Christ, this is, ugh. if you have been on the internet at all the last couple of days, you have very likely noticed that, uh, Greg Norman, uh, the shark, uh, the man responsible for just coughing up, you know, surefire masters victories better than almost anybody in history. Um, he decided that it was time for him to pose for ESPN's body issue. Uh, where he decided you, you get super naked, uh, and then you hold a, a golf club and you let photographers take pictures of a elderly man in the nude, and then post it all over a magazine and all over the internet. And I'm here to say that uh, I I love you know people being able to celebrate their bodies. I don't have any problem with Greg Norman doing this, um, but I'm just gonna say it's just an odd choice. It's it's a very very odd choice for Greg Norman who. Uh, has a, you know, a successful golf architecture business going, um, and it's just, I don't know, I, I've always associated Greg Norman with being kind of a D-bag, and by him posing nude for ESPN's The Body Issue, and then going on to Fox News' Fox and Friends to discuss how wonderful it was, and talk about his uh, his journey of posing nude, it, it just struck an odd chord with me, and I think what's even weirder is that uh, POTUS himself, uh, good old Donnie Trump, uh, you know, we we don't try to get too political on this podcast. I think by listening to me, it's pretty obvious that I think Donald Trump's an idiot. But, you know, he's also my commander-in-chief, so I hope he does well. So he did uh, tweet out to (laughs) uh, say, say, I just watched uh, Greg Norman on Fox and Friends, uh, said the president is doing a great job all over the world. People want to come back to the U.S., uh, thank you, Greg, and you're looking and doing great. And so, I mean, Greg Norman, he, he, people like me may be wondering why the shit he decided to pose nude for ESPN, the magazine, but, hey, you know, Donnie T., you know, do, you know, small hands Donnie is very, very in on it, and uh, his takeaway from D- Greg Norman talking about his experience, you know, posing for ESPN, the magazine, is that Greg Norman says people want to flock to the United States uh, because of how awesome... Uh, of a job Donald Trump is doing, the only problem is that when they do come to the states, I guess uh, they you know get separated from their families and detained and all that stuff but anyway that's uh, that, that's another topic for another time that 's all I got for you guys uh, today I, if you haven 't seen Greg Norman uh, and his pictures online yet don't just don't don't do it at all no no, no need to go see it you're not missing out on a whole lot. If you are into hot naked 60 year old ass, then by all means you know have at it Um, but other than that that's all I got for you guys this week I hope you have a wonderful weekend Uh, make sure you're watching uh, Golf Tigers playing at the Quicken Loans uh, tournament in Washington D.C. this weekend so that should be a fun time and uh, I hope you guys get out a chance to play some golf and uh, without any further delay I will be back with you guys next week that's all for now, Mahalo everybody